Welcome to the Night Shift Football Podcast, episode 24. Italy have won the Euros. Argentina has won the Copa America. Messi finally has an international trophy. Tommy Juric, woof woof. That's right, we're going to mix in some Adelaide chat this week. There's going to be no point one. We're going to cover a bit of the Aussie stuff in amongst the European and other international football stuff. Obviously, we'll start with the big one from Wembley, Italy versus England. I've got Tommy here to join me. How you going, mate? Tip top, my friend. How are you, man? Tip top. Yeah. We've come to the, the end of the never-ending run of football for like... Other than the COVID break, there was like four consecutive years of major tournaments. <laughs> These players just playing relentlessly. It, feel, it feels good. Four. Four years. It's been a while. <laughs> I don't think it's four <laughs> it feels years, like forever, but it man. feels like four years. Um, honestly, a bit disappointed at the end of this month with the uh, the Euros finishing. and the, I didn't watch any Copa America, but I'm going to be sad it's done. I, I watched a little bit. I used to tune in after the, the Euros games, the early ones, because it was at such a convenient time, 6am. Who's not up at 6am watching South American football? <coughs> or was Central already American up watching football. the Euros. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. Oh, there's been many sleepless nights. Fucking hell. So um, on that though, the it feels like a whole bunch of football has only just ended, but I was flicked on, I was flicking through the channels today and Copa Libertadores was on, oh. you know, teams oh. like Boca Juniors and Sao Paulo back in action already. Oh. We've had those, I haven't taken any notice of who's played who, but the the new European competition. Oh, the third division the one. The third division European, yeah. third tier European competition qualifiers Great. have been underway so these teams some of these club teams that have only just finished playing football a month ago two months max can't wait to tune uh, into those back at it already is there, are the rights signed to that um that guy that tried to sign the champions league rights 50 million dollars is he <laughs> and, broadcasting and already already sold them yeah yeah broadcasting him alongside the croatian basketball and shit <laughs> crazy uh serbian rugby serbian rugby i'm sure there's a massive market for that to be honest what a niche maybe we should shouldn't be doing a football pod we should be doing a serbian rugby league pod oh my god you're a genius we're finally it only took 24 fucking episodes for us to figure out what we really need to be doing if you are out there and you want to hear about serbian rugby league um don't you're gonna have to know. go. You're gonna have to go find somewhere else yeah. for that. I'm sorry, we're not. We're, we're not, not stooping. Um, let's get stuck into this European final. Forza Italia. Forza, Forza Italia. So I was saying it like all the guys that I saw in the city. <laughs> ah, I love that. <laughs> oh come on! They're allowed to celebrate. They're allowed to celebrate. Um, My favorite meme of the tournament was Australian Italians that morning justifying their heritage. It was just like, oh, you don't need to do it. We, you, just celebrate just, it. Enjoy, just enjoy it. Enjoy it. You don't don't nibble at the trolls. Exactly. Don't let the English you know. guys exactly the same thing. Yeah. Vast majority of them never been to the UK. Yeah. And yeah. they're just trying. It's fine. Yeah. Celebrate your heritage. That's what it's there for. That's what Australia's here for. We allow you to exactly do, like it's allowed in here. So fucking do it. Um. Let's get stuck into this game. Where do you want to start with this? Where do we even start with? There's a lot to unpack here. It was a humdinger of a final, and humdinger. Is um, what it's like short, fast, ferocious, and there was lots of play in there that you could just cut out and forget about. Yeah, there was a lot of that game where it was just a tense arm wrestle, basically. Yeah, I think uh, England probably scored maybe too early. Is that a thing? I think it can be. <laughs> it can be a thing. Yeah. It can be a thing because it changed, <clears throat> especially in the second half. They really just came out to defend what they had. It's in the first half. 
by halfway through the first half, that's what they were doing. Um, I think Mancini obviously switched it up pretty quick, reacted to the early goal, and they just took a foothold. England, I think, you'd have to be pretty disappointed with their, um, what would you call it, their, the way they went about it after scoring the early goal. They had plenty of the ball maybe for the first half of the first half, the first quarter of the game, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) Quarter of 90 minutes, go on. But yeah, um, I don't know, just Italy really dominant after that and it looked like England were happy just to sit back and try and hold it out and that's never going to work. This team has scored something like a stupid amount of goals, like 70-odd goals or something throughout their last 30 games. Oh, yeah, through the whole run. Yeah, through their qualifying. I knew that they had scored the most amount of goals in a European comp that they've ever scored, this one. And that was at 13, and I think that was against Belgium. So since then, they've added three And they did that in... It was the same for their... This was their best ever qualifying campaign (laughs) for an international tournament. Yeah. And Mancini, I think, just... I think England got outcoached by Mancini. Interesting. Interesting. I, I, yeah, I agree to an extent. He definitely switched it up on 20 minutes and that brought their, it sort of, I mean, it looked like um, Declan Rice was just, he looked world class. He looked absolutely unbeatable. He had the Italian midfielders in his pockets. You know, Jorginho couldn't get on the ball as much as he should have been. He wasn't, there was no spraying of passes. The fullbacks weren't overlapping as well as they do. So he definitely did tweak something. Um, there was a good joke on the Guardian pod. None of them could explain what he did exactly because Jonathan Wilson wasn't on it to deconstruct <laughs> it. But there was something that... And again, I missed it as well in real time. Yeah. To me, it's just... I got a mentality shift from England. I got what? that they got nervous, they got tight, and they weren't hitting the passes. There was that hit. too. Yeah. But, you know, that's taking credit away from Italy where you shouldn't Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's fair to look at both. I think what you're saying is correct. I think what Mancini did was recognise <clears> the strength of, like... Harry Kane was coming in and getting on the ball. Yep, dropping in the lines. Yep, and um, uh, another one of the front three, because he played with the narrow front three. He had Mount in there, I think, as well. Yeah, he did. And he just kind of, those midfielders just dropped a little bit deeper. Jorginho got a little bit of help in there, and then they were quickly able to get on the ball. And once Italy, this Italy side especially, once they get on the ball, they tend to hold it pretty well. Yeah, they can boss games if they want to, which confused me so much about the Spain game, that they were... They were so happy to give the ball up. Yeah. And they wanted to defend, much like England were doing. Yeah. I think England maybe thought that they had the defensive clout to be able to do this. To be able Potentially, to, yeah. Because they'd had a really good tournament, only conceded that one goal against Denmark, really. Yeah. And they went into this <clears throat> with the early goal too. Boyd with the home crowd. They must have been extremely confident to see the game out. And, you know, on the balance of play, yeah, Italy deserved the equaliser. And the XG obviously says that uh, Italy deserved two, two and a half goals per the XG. Yeah. They really did create... Throughout the tournament, they created, uh, you know, a handful of good chances through a flurry of shots on goal, basically. They were very much quantity over quality. Whereas England was the opposite. They were more wanting to get in behind, work the ball into the box and find the perfect opportunity to score. Yeah. So it was, a, it was a good combination of attacking styles and attacking play that ended in stalemate, ultimately. Um, you know, for all the attacking prowess and possession that Italy had and all the control that they had, it still took a really scrappy corner for them to take it to penalties. Yeah, it did. I think uh, England, England's centre-backs, or their back, their back line in general... Obviously, a real solid tournament from them. Um, I think couple that with 
the sort of form Immobile had this tournament. I don't know why. This is an ongoing thing for him. I thought he had maybe broken it with that goal in the first group stage match. And I thought maybe we were going to see him turn it on for Italy like he has for Lazio and for his other clubs. But just for some, whatever reason, it hasn't worked. And when he's not involved, they're kind of really missing someone in that front third to be able to get in and create chances. So the big move, I think, was getting him off, getting Berardi on. It freed up because those front three could all just rotate and slot in. They're all technically brilliant. You had Insigne, Berardi and Chiesa out there. And Chiesa, I don't know why. I predicted him to start all of Italy's games at the start of the tournament. And he didn't. He didn't start until the quarterfinal. I can't believe he had to force his way in. And he looked He looked like if he stayed out there for the entirety of the game, I thought he was probably the best player on the park. Close to it, for sure. I heard a lot of people say the same thing as well. He had a great tournament. And your, I think your bet for him as player of the tournament goes very close in the long run. I think, yeah, if he had scored in that final... Or Italy, had, it. yeah, or, and stayed out there for the whole game. I think he might have just done enough because I know when they give out these awards, they love to look at the key moments and stuff, Hello. like key. Look at look at who <laughs> key got events. It, for fuck's sake. Yeah, so like he had a, obviously a big goal in the the round of sixteen or the quarterfinal. Um, yeah, against Austria. He had a couple of big goals late in the tournament that really got them over the line. So, yeah, good tournament for him. Um, what did you think about Donnarumma getting player of the tournament? I don't, I don't have too many objections to it. I mean, you could put the case forward for plenty. There's plenty of players you could put the case forward. Um, not, not too bothered by him winning it. Just as deserving as a few others, maybe. I just wonder when there's demonstrably a better goalkeeper in Jordan Pickford who got the Golden Glove, <clears throat> and then you've got a different goalkeeper winning the player of the tournament. Kind of sends mixed well, messages. I think, I think when you win the, it looks like when you win the player of the tournament, it kind of trumps everything else. Like, because Donnarumma is what is he twenty one? Yeah, twenty two, I think. And he was player of the tournament, but didn't win young player of the tournament. Yeah, Thank which you. was given to Pedri. So I don't know how they work with that out. I've never really taken too much notice of all the awards that get given out at these tournaments because it's such a short handful of games. It's really hard to pin it down on just one player. Yeah. If we're going to give him maybe some credit, I guess, uh, whether you think he deserved it or not, he did have some monster games. He was huge against uh, Belgium. Yes. Pretty big against Spain as well. Massive against Spain. Throughout the knockout yeah. rounds. Made some huge saves. And then obviously um, made a save, in the, save yeah. in the penalty shootout. And they won. I guess when your team wins, it goes a long way as well. But yeah, precisely. They were saying Sterling <clears throat> probably would have won it if England had won, and you probably, you know, you wouldn't have been disagreeing with that too yeah. much. Not too disgruntled no. with all of that. So yeah, fair. Agreed. Uh, I guess congratulations, Italy. There's who nothing. I who I thought dropped off uh, coming out of the group stages, drawing three of their four knockout stage games yeah I think that's just tournament football isn't it maybe it I'll, tends to happen a lot <clears throat> I wonder why they changed their their style so much just their the attacking freedom that they had and you know they really were playing shackles off like balls to the floor and then maybe Mancini they win it so I'm I'm just I don't know if it's an intentional change or if it just the extra build up of pressure on the players like the mental side of the game 
starts to play like have an impact like you said with England going 1-0 up and then feeling that pressure of you know being so close being 1-0 up in the final um, maybe that pressure changes the way you want to play and it doesn't quite pan out the way you want it to perhaps yeah no that's fair there's definitely a massive mental side to playing in a cup final like this um, and throughout the entirety of the tournament I suppose when it gets to that cutthroat environment yeah losing is the absolute worst option so if you can get a draw and eke out three results like Italy did you're going to do well to win the tournament and that's exactly what they've done yep um, anything else you want to add about this game I thought the viral image of um, was it Chiellini I always get them confused pulling back Saka Chiellini yeah, yeah. pulling back Saka on halfway I thought that was really fitting of <laughs> just how the tournament kind of ended up it started in like this real excitement and flurry of goals and an <laughs> explosion of colour and you know all fans back in the stadium that those crazy games between France, Switzerland and yep. Croatia, Spain on the same day and then, you know, for the defining moment of the game to be a really ancient master, they call him the master of the dark arts, Chiellini. Yeah. There's nothing masterful or artistic about yanking the fucking collar off of a player that's just beaten you hands down. No, it just, I think all it is is it plays into their, um, it's that Gattuso style Italy. Uh, what's the other one? De Rossi. De Rossi, it's the... Um, there was a stat going around about Benucci and Chiellini had not been... No one had dribbled past them or, like, dribbled past them throughout the whole tournament. Oh, wow. And no... The opposition didn't get any shots or create any chances from from them, like, from any of their mistakes or anything like that. They were pretty rock solid. And then I guess what plays into that is Chiellini recognises a situation like he was in with Saka and he's happy to just you know, do whatever it takes to stop him running past him. If that means giving away a blatant foul and getting a clear yellow, then so be it. Do you like the idea of uh, sin bin fouls? Because this is the exactly this is exactly the kind of foul that would see you sit off for five minutes yeah. or ten minutes. I'm not sure. It I'm feels, really not sure. I haven't really thought about that. It feels like this needs to be punished more. I'm not trying to gang up on um, the yeah, Italian yeah. defenders here. This feels like a foul like that should be punished by more weight than, say, a player kicking the ball away after the whistle's been it, gone. It does feel like that, doesn't it? That's what I've always talked about before with, like, um, only having yellow and red cards means there's a lot of... When you give out yellow cards, like we've talked about, where someone can fly in with an absolutely horrible scissor tackle and get a yellow card for it, but then someone can also be standing there and have no idea they've just given away a handball and also get a yellow for it. Yeah. And it just doesn't seem... The punishments don't fit the the crime all the time. There's a few archaic systems to the game that could be dressed up, but there's there's always going to be traditionalists and we're yeah. never going to change this kind I'm not of sure thing. How, I'm not sure how they go about it um, because I do... It is it is worrying because you don't... You see what happens, especially in Australia, with what happened, what's happened in the AFL over the last 20 years... And oh, with the way the it's way refereed. that's gone, with yeah. the way the game is umpired, and the way the rules are changed by people who aren't even umpires, and mm. just it's yeah, I'm, you're really hesitant to go down that path because we are tinkering a lot recently. There was a period we there are. where we didn't touch the game for a long time, and there's been a lot of tinkering lately, and just just little things that needed that made sense, like having not letting the goalkeeper pick up the ball, yeah, in his when it's been passed back to him by his own team, or having. 
only needing one person to take kickoff. That's you know? a good one. There was, there was no need to have two people there. There's no need to roll the ball forward. The passive, off, kicked back. passive offside rule is a good one, where if you're not interacting with play, you're not technically offside. Yeah, yeah. So, um, What did you think of the... I guess the big talking point in the end was Southgate's penalty takers. Yeah. Lots of chat about this. I'm not sure how much this should be on Southgate. I feel like Southgate's copying too much of the blame for this, to be honest. Because I think a lot of the onus, when we've all, when you get to penalty shootouts, it's always a matter of who wants to, who wants to take him. Who feels confident. And obviously the manager has some say, but if my worry would be more with the experienced players in that squad who weren't willing to put their hand up and take one. Because I can't imagine... I can't imagine it just ended up with... They all put their hand up and Saka was the one chosen by Southgate over others. There must have been players who weren't willing to step up and take one. It makes sense. That, hey, yeah, that's why it has to be. That's why Jack Grealish's tweet after the game saying that... Um, because Rory Keane had a, had a pop at him and Sterling for not stepping up and taking the fifth one. Yeah. I know Rory Keane, the one man that should really pass no comment on what? international football, the little bitch. <laughs> what did Grealish say? He came out and tweeted that I put my hand up and I would defo take a pen. There's no way that I okay. would shirk that responsibility. But for me, I've read that. Interesting that he says that after. I don't know how Thank that you. helps anything. No, it doesn't. It reinforces his very... It feels like he's selfish, like throwing Southgate under the bus there too. And his teammates in a sense as well, because he's saying that Saka and, you know, maybe to a lesser extent, Rashford and Sancho fought to take a penalty in front of him. When in actual fact, I looked this up, he's taken one penalty in his 263 career games. There's a fucking reason you're not being picked to take a pen, Jack. Yeah. It's because you don't take penalties. Yeah. Um, I think there was also one about Saka had only taken one at Arsenal youth level, and that's it. But uh, like, that's fair because that that's where it comes down to training and the manager and Southgate took yeah. full responsibility for picking it. If he felt that Southgate's Saka was a smart, a Southgate's a smart guy and he knows it's his. He's the coach. Every, the buck stops with him. So I think he's doing the right thing. He's just getting in front but of it. I would love to see. I just feel like I don't know. I've been in. I know we don't play professional football. We play amateur. F- football but it's still the same no one's going to force someone to take a penalty if they don't want to exactly right so Saka may have wanted to but surely there were other more experienced players also willing to and putting up their hand which could then be chosen I feel like you know Saka puts up his hand it's like okay cool you're in the mix but who else is anyone else and then we go from there maybe he's an absolute weapon at training and taking pens. Maybe. Maybe, he, maybe he took the best South, pens Southgate said something about him looking good at training. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. I mean, it's a penalty shootout at the end of the day as well, which is often a coin toss. It's a lottery, man. And we saw Jorginho miss. He never misses. Jorginho miss and he never misses. Sucker never takes them and he missed. So, you know, whatever. It happened. I just think, yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't be putting all the blame on Southgate. Like, this is all his fault. It's a, for letting it, them do it. It's just a big stupid thing to get hung up on because when you know you, you have to have a winner of a tournament and a final, and this is the way that we do it. This really just it's a terrible way to do it, but it's also a really exciting, ecstatic, like electrifying way to decide yeah. something. But it's such a monumental way to decide this game. Five yeah. spot kicks from. I don't have too much of an issue with penalty kicks being the way to decide football games. 
I can't think of because a better way. So you have to end it somehow. Yeah. Everyone and everyone knows going into the game that that's the case. Mm. You know, both teams have the opportunity to go out and try and win the game. If they're going to keep playing out and it's still going to be level, then at some point you have to stop and we have to go to the spot. We have to. We may as well just pick names out of a hat. <laughs> pick names out of a hat for the <laughs> lucky dip. The yeah, the penalty shootout. Lucky dipper. It would be great. Yeah. Just put it in a big like lottery, you know, in the big fucking yeah. ball with that. I reckon you lucky dip the keeper too. Yes, that's fine. So like you pull out the hat and you get like, oh, Kyle Walker's taking this penalty against, <laughs> you know, against Di Lorenzo. Chiesa, yeah. Di Lorenzo's in goal. Right back versus right back or something like that, you know? This is great. I Jorginho like where we're ends up, Jorginho ends up in goal against Sucker or something like that. Yeah, imagine that. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's... Penalties are what they are, and it's just unfortunate it didn't work out for England. Uh, I did. You, you I do. D- you did mention the Rashford penalty with the stutter step, though. Uh, I haven't yet. I was just about to. Mm. No, I meant yeah. sorry. We, we were talking about. Oh, it at the okay. Time. We yeah, were yeah. Watching it. No, when we were watching it, yeah. I, the only thing that bugs me when it comes to penalties is, like, I'm gonna sound like an old fuddy duddy dude here, but it honestly, it honestly does my head in when players overcomplicate the penalties because it's not just that he stutters right Rashford does this he stands there staring down the goalkeeper there's one then he wheels around does a big wheel around that's two movements already then his third is to start stuttering and then sure he sends Donnarumma the wrong way but he's already done so much in this penalty like you're taking a penalty run up and thump the fucking thing into the net and like maybe that's just me being a simpleton, but God, it's frustrating. <laughs> it, you can't say we're not all thinking that when we see players miss doing that sort of stuff. Yeah, when they miss, for sure. Well, Jorginho, the same. It makes you want. It makes you just want him. I want them to miss when they do that. Yeah, you do feel all it. the time. Pogba, I love it when Pogba misses. Oh, off his Bruno Fernandez. Yeah, same he thing. Is that giant. He's so good at it. He is good at it. But if he does miss, I'm gonna laugh and say, "Ha ha!" Like. Well, like this, it matters that he's missed one. This is probably why Rashford ended up missing, cooking his penalty because he just doesn't get an opportunity to take them. But in saying but he that... But do, he does take them, Rashford. Yeah, and he Rashford scored has them a, as well. I think he's got a I looked record. it up because people were talking about uh, Rashford coming on over Sancho because of the penalties, but they, they ended up both coming on. They both have, mm. they both have a, a pretty solid penalty record. So... You know, it just doesn't always work. Messi's missed so many penalties in his life. Yeah, Ronaldo. Ronaldo's missed penalties. It happens. Is that in the final? I just, it is, it, I can understand people getting frustrated as yeah. a fan when you watch them do all this fancy shit before they just run up and kick it. I don't know. Run up and kick the damn thing into the net. Harry Maguire showed you. We were just, yeah. Bang. Harry Kane did it. Yeah, Harry Kane. Harry Kane's, Kane's penalty was oh, the best of the lot. For sure. Um, a lot can go wrong with Maguire's. Yeah, exactly. Harry Kane's, I feel, was that's that was the penalty of the bunch, and he needed to do it, having missed that penalty against Denmark as well. He did. He would yeah. have been feeling it yep. for sure. He'd be like, "Fuck! Don't fuck this up! Don't put it in a nice height for the goalkeeper." No, yeah, dispatched. Excellent. Yeah. Ah, uh, there you go. I think that's all the drama on the field. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think if there was anything else in the game I did want to talk about, but it's not coming to me at this point. But yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess just Italy were good. I think oh, the other point I wanted to make was about um, there's been a lot of fuss in the media about this Italian team on paper versus the England team on paper. And to be honest, a lot of that comes back to the... We talk about it a lot in here, but in Australia, we do get the Premier League bias. 
Yeah, the misconception that it's better. This is a sen- it was essentially a Premier League All Star team against, you know, minus foreigners, against a Serie A All Star team minus foreigners, mm-hmm. really, and like players, there was some like like Emerson at left back. He's not a he's not a great player, um, and they talked about this on the football ramble. I heard them talking about this, but he's obviously not a great player. But they also said players like Di Lorenzo are average and blah blah blah. Di Lorenzo is a starting right back for a Napoli side that finishes in the top four, top five every, every season. season. Every season. If he was if he was finishing in the top five in the Premier League, you'd be talking about how good he is. So, I think people just need to remember that this Italy side is a is good. And there's not a whole lot of shame in England losing to them because they are a cracking side with one of the best managers in the world. His yeah, Mancini's record is it speaks for itself. Down yeah, the, the achievements that he has brought to clubs that who haven't experienced things like that before. I mean, the Man City result it'll go down in Premier League history. There'll never be a better finish than the Man City Aguero over Man United. Yeah, and to pull Italy out of a slump where they did not qualify for the 2018 World Cup in three years, he's turned this team into a European Championship side. Yep. Like all, 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 like commends to this man. He's done such yep. a great job, and it's almost like the older he gets, the more wily he gets. He's he's always got new tricks. Yeah, that's it's a side of the game that I really love following and looking back on. And seeing the progress of like really good managers like this and seeing how they adapt and change. And really, Mancini, you'd have to say, under the radar. Definitely. Oh, compared to the others that we give great praise to, Peps and the like, Mancini doesn't come into the conversation. Even your often. Louis Van Hals and like, you know. Good hitting. This, this, this guy guys. is right up there. Oh, Mancini is right up there with the best of them. Without a doubt. I don't have the stats to mind, but he has an inenviable record of yep. uh, trophies. Yep. Uh, I think we've probably said all we can on the on-field stuff there. <laughs> now, I know we, we're not going to... Don't worry, this isn't going to be a big pick-on-England fans thing. I love a flare in the ass as much as the next guy, <laughs> okay? We all love a good flare in the ass. Um, I think the one... Obviously, there was plenty of off-field stuff went on. We're not going to talk about all of it. What I, th- I think what we really want to kind of touch on, just briefly is the idea of how do we feel about like people <laughs> storming storming into stadiums without tickets like that and then how do we feel about people's response to that it's all so just gruesome like it's the the initial you're almost it's at the point where you're going to have to fence off stadiums from people that don't have tickets in order to fully protect. Yeah. Like Wembley, Wembley Stadium maybe should have been a cordon off area, actually. Maybe the whole kilometre around the section should have been tickets only entry, which you'll probably see from now on at major tournaments after this. Because this... Well, just like a, probably not a kilometre, but an exclusion zone of sorts, like the whole block. Yeah. Well, it'd yeah. have to be pretty big, man, because there, there were a lot of people that stormed those gates. Yeah. You'd have to make it a long way. I don't way. know how you... Yeah, I don't know how you combat it. They were woefully underprepared for that assault on them. Yeah. And it just, it kicks off from, you know, if you're in the air, you haven't got tickets to the game. Okay. So you're like, all right, fuck it. We'll go to London. We we'll talked about this on The Guardian. Yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, is, like, it, is this what I'm channeling? I think so. But yeah. I think, keep going. I think I know where you're getting at, but yeah. And it's that, it's that thing where it just snowballs into more and more just out of control behavior because you have been unable to get that first thing that you wanted. Yep. Um, 
so obviously you shouldn't be storming grounds if you don't have a ticket. No. And especially during the middle of a global pandemic. Like, come yeah. on, man. And I think like... It's so irresponsible. Without getting too grim, like things like Hillsborough come to mind. Yeah, the crush. Because seeing like all those people that were at the front that just got ended up getting crushed under fences, as I'm talking about Wembley now, um, and security guards just being pushed over and like people at the front of the line, like families and, you know, just getting pushed over so people could barge in and just sprint off into the stadium. Um, I just, I just don't get it. I, yeah. It's so, I can understand maybe going to the ground, maybe trying to soak up some atmosphere or see if maybe by luck you ended up getting a ticket, but it has to stop there. You can't possibly be thinking it's okay to force your way in like this. What happens once you're in and the whole, what happens with all those people do get in where do they go? Now you're all fighting for seats and instead yeah. it's a massive safety issue. It's like, you know, we don't want to sound like fun police here, but God, it's, you know. It's a violent desperation. Like it's not fun yeah. policing it. It's just, it's how it works. There's capacity at stadiums if you don't get a ticket. Yeah. There's so many other ways we have, to enjoy the game. And there's capacities for reasons like, you know, yeah. stairwells and exit, like fire exits and things like that. that they're there and, for a reason. We have these things in place as like, you know, luckily developed nations, we have these things in place to ensure things don't go wrong. To protect us from ourselves. To protect us from ourselves. <laughs> and yeah, it's... <sighs> it's frustrating. It is frustrating because it's almost a sense of entitlement as well. It's like, I deserve to be in this stadium to watch this, so I'm going to do this by any means. Yeah. Look, and don't get me wrong, I've snuck into things as well. Yeah. We've all, like, come on, we've all jumped fences at a festival or, like... Yeah. Or not all, but, you know, it happens. It crosses the mind as well. I'll take this thing for free. I don't deserve this thing, but I'm going to have it anyway. But the way that they did it, like you said, in such a violent means, which is what instigated the response. Yeah, we saw that. I don't agree with. That video came out of them kind of getting through the door. It circulated. It started... There was a lot of misinformation going around talking about it being attacking... Italian fans after mm. the game and stuff, but you could see that it was sunny outside. I saw that, yeah. So it was before the game, and yeah, they were running in in England gear. So, but then people's response was to do like gang bash people. There was one guy lying on the ground with three guys laying into him. Yeah, just uh, awful. Yeah, it ended up looking very like haves and haves not. Like one group of people that are able to enjoy something, another group of people that can't, and they're just like exacting their privilege over them. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> no one came off this in a good light, let's yeah. say that. And then just like there was people abusing the like the security and the marshals and stuff. Saying like, do your job. Yeah. <laughs> what are you, Fuck off, man. What are they meant to do? It's not my job. They're not getting paid like hero wages. No. Like they're if a horde of people come and start pushing them over and barging their way, what do you want them to do? Come on. Honestly, what Risk can they their do? Lives. Grab each person by the arm they li- and drag them out six at a time. Like They literally exist to show people where the bathrooms are. Like that that's yeah. what their job is. It's yeah. to make sure people aren't They guide you to your seat. Yeah. That was bad. That's- you know, there is a petition online now to ban England and their fans for ten years from um, FIFA tournaments. Not interested in stuff like that. You don't want to see it. Where does it, where do you draw the line? Because every country has, you know, Italy, like Syria, has all the issues with race. La Liga similar. Um, every country has their group of fans that are an issue. So I'm it's, not interested in stuff like this. It's pretty clear UEFA don't give a fuck about race, though, given the it distribution is. of fines. Yeah, 
there has been a massive. Well, they did. They did ban Hungary from having spectators though. After that, was that it against England? Is fair. Was it Bulgaria? Ah, uh, oh, sorry. There was the Bulgaria game. The Hungary one, one is a separate incident. Not. Yeah, it might be Bulgaria. <laughs> um, the flags whatever. are very so similar. So much has again. happened. Yeah, they are the same <laughs> colours. So much has happened. We might leave the off-field stuff there anyway. Um, we'll bring it back to actual footy. Football. Did you catch any of uh, the Copa America at all? We haven't talked about it at all on this pod because I don't, I don't know. The bits I did see, pretty meh. It's more th- from all reports. It's more theatre than football. Yeah, from all reports, the tournament was pretty meh anyway. Yeah, and the and standard of refereeing, not great. Yeah, but... The big story, I guess, is that Leo Messi has his international trophy. Finally. And we can finally stop comparing him to Maradona now because yep. it's like, here we go. He's done everything he needs to do. Yep. He's his own th- He's his own entity. You know, there's kids growing up now. Remarkable. Yeah. He's just out of this world. And it was so nice to see the way that they carried him off. Yeah. Gave him the proper celebration. We, uh, we talked about this last week with Ronaldo and just the wow factor of... Um, when you actually sit up and you're watching and you just sit back for a second and go, hang on, I'm watching an all-time great here. Like, this guy is on another planet and Messi is the other guy with him. At and the same I know time, it's we only get to We only get to view it on TV, but you're sitting there sometimes and you tune in, you're watching a Barcelona game and you're like, wow, look at this guy. That's the Messi. The Leo Messi. Because you, you just know the place in football culture that he's going to hold from now until whenever. You know, yeah. like Pele, Maradona. He will be the greats that we list forever and ever and ever. Yep. This will be the era of Messi and Ronaldo. And we are so privileged to see them play. Yep, we are. And I don't want to compare them. I've always been... Yeah, I'm glad you said that. I was going to go into that anyway. But I don't yeah. care. I don't care who's better. They're both fucking phenomenal. It doesn't matter who's yep. better. I don't give a crap. I don't care what stat you use to measure it on. It's all. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. We were talking about this the other day at, um, with a bunch of guys at the at the local footy. Um, but people always like, they compare these two and then somehow they end up comparing like Maradona and Pele. Mm. Even though, what are they like? They're like they were, they were, 30 years apart. They never played like, in the same gen. Yeah. You know? It's stupid. <laughs> Fucking stupid. Like, I don't know why people feel the need to buy into these ridiculous things like, like well, to me, Maradona will always be the best because of this. What do you mean? Like, it's not a reason. Just... Enjoy it. Just enjoy it. Love them all. They're all absolute icons of the game. There's so much football out there. There's no reason we need to crown one as the best. We can have many best. You can have many best. And they both are. Ronaldo and Messi. You can, have your, you can have your favorite player. Does not necessarily make them the best. Thank you. But um, what's really upsetting is probably Di Maria's goal being overshadowed by Messi's win. Because that was for a cup final clutch goal to win 1-0. Have wow. not seen it. Oh, it's sublime. Sublime. Yeah, it's just this beautifully weighted chip lob over the goalkeeper on running from a nice ball. Oh man, it's just it's everything you want to see. It lands with a plum in the back of the net, bounces up into the roof. Mwah. Delicious. It is delicious, um, and it's just it's a, it's a little bit of a shame. But they mentioned it on the Guardian pod that they were playing for Messi, the Argentina team. They wanted to be able to succeed for him, and you know that probably did shine through. Yeah. Well, that's, that's good because he did retire, remember? Yeah, I can't keep up with this <laughs> he, telenovela of Messi's international career. One thing that did kind of, um, at the time, that did shit me when he announced his retirement from international at such a young age and 
being so capable because it's like, come on, man, you got this whole country that looks up to you and idolizes you and even fellow professionals that idolize you and want to win for you. Uh, big slap in the face to them to say you're not going to help them for sure win any trophies. But I'm glad that he did change his mind and looked like a bit of a hypocrite for a while. Yeah, but saw the light. He got through it and now he's got his trophy and it's, it's excellent. Yeah, it was a very authentic feeling um, Continental Cup uh, this year with Italy. There was, you know, I read a nice article about whenever Italy win, it always feels just more authentic. Just it feels like England, England claim football's coming home when they win, but it actually feels like football comes home when Italy wins. I don't know why. It just, it just does. And for, you know, Argentina, a powerhouse in South American football, they haven't actually won... A major tournament in over 20 years now, Argentina. So this yep. is big. It's big for them. And it's big for a generation of Argentinian football fans who can now finally say, I've seen my nation win. My nation are campeones. For sure. For sure. I've always had that. Um, I've always had that little soft spot for Brazil. I think we've spoken about it. We spoke about it on one of our very early episodes, but like watching Brazil play for some reason, like as a kid, um, it was always like, oh my God, Brazil. Like you heard, you, there was like mythology around it. It's kind of the myth of the Brazil team and the the magic of watching them play. The Joga Benito. And then I remember, like, we were talking about this the other day, remembering teams that dominated tournaments. And I can't remember if they did dominate, but I very clearly remember watching a lot of Brazilian games in the 2002 World Cup when they were so dominant. And then... We could so fact I, check this, but I'm oh, pretty sure they won most of them. But they, they won the final 2-0 against Germany. Ronaldo scored two. But... um. Yeah, so I've always kind of had that soft spot for them and kind of hoping that they would win this. But I think they're really... They're lacking a striker. Ooh, big shout. They're lacking what a striker. What makes you say that? Well, Richarlison started up front in the final, Ooh, but that's yeah. obviously he's, due to... He's not really, is he? He's not a striker. And it's obviously due to... Um, Gabriel Jesus didn't play because of his bloody ridiculous, borderline rigged or shit red card. Because he did a madness. He did absolute madness. Um, but he's... I don't think he's a top-level striker, to be honest, anyway. It makes me laugh that Richarlison is um, is starting up front for Brazil, but Dominic Cavalluan can't get a look in for England. <laughs> like Crazy. There's a little bit of levels going on there. There's some levels. It plays, there are some absolute levels. It plays into... Um, there were some interesting stats going around in that... Um, no nation outside of Europe has won the World Cup since 2002. Yep. And so by this measure, Italy and England should be World Cup favourites. Um, there was another thing. The European Championships hasn't left the Mediterranean since the turn of the century. Hmm. Which I think is there another... It's almost like we're starting to really centralise the football don't talent. don't really mean anything. Uh, I think they might play a more geographical... They might show a more ge- geographical trend in the way the football is going. And that it is very much dominated by the nations that have established their leagues over the last 20, 30 years with financial backing. Yeah. You know, France, Italy, Spain, the lot. Yeah. And this is now a true consolidation of power because it's being reflected in the international football as well, rather than just the individual marketing of a sovereign nation. Yeah. I think we're fair. seeing it. I think we're seeing it play out and we may not see... That's a fair point. We may not see... I mean, maybe Qatar is the 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 last real go at a nation outside of that area of Europe winning it 
just given the harsh conditions, just given the fact that Asian nations grow another leg when they play on their continent, which you don't see too often. Yeah. And so this is a big advantage for Middle Eastern countries, countries that can deal with the heat, whatever else that goes into the game. Yeah. Remains to be seen. But I think international football is becoming a little bit too... I mean, we, 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 we ended up picking three out of the four finalists, so... Uh, do we? I'm pretty sure we did. We had France in there, which shouldn't have been. Yeah, I didn't have, I didn't have, uh, I didn't have Italy either. You had Italy top four, is what I meant. And I th- Spain, yeah, top yeah, four. sorry, yeah. So I can't, I can't even and remember England right now. Well. It feels so long ago. You had England in the I def- final. I had an England France final. Yeah, I actually had. I think I had Italy getting knocked out in the quarters by Belgium. Uh, I thought it was France. He had them getting knocked out by. Ah, uh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever. What oh, I was just trying to say. No, it was. I'm pretty sure it was France beating Belgium after Belgium knocked out Italy. Ah, uh, okay. But I still had my my money was on Italy at the start of the tournament. Exactly. So you put I'll your money where your mouth is, yeah. and it got up. Yep. Uh, have we got anything else we want to talk about in terms of the overseas stuff, or do we want to pull it back local and get some Adelaide chat in? Let's have a little look. There's a few things that I want to talk about sure. A League related. Number one is, looks like there's a very good deal going around. If you buy an A-League membership, you will get a discounted Paramount Plus subscription, which will allow you to watch all the A-League games. That is good. Great, great incentive. And there's been a lot of good moves this week, I think, by the A-League. Another one was Melbourne Victory relocating all their games to Amy Park. So they're not going to play Marvel. Sensational news. There's, it just feels... And I, I was watching yep. Channel 10 the other night and the advert came up for Paramount Plus. And it was very heavily featured, Matildas, Socceroos, A-League, W-League. And it just, to see that on Channel 10, on free-to-air, and to see them really, we're the prime sport for this package. Yep. There's just something about it feels like good moves are being made at the moment. It does feel like that. It's refreshing to get away from Fox, obviously. Oh, thank God. And um, Do we need to thank them or won't. not? I think What's your feeling on we Fox have touched, after 15 we've years? Touched it on, we've touched on it a few weeks back when all this news came out, but they... We do have to thank Fox for what they did early on, getting this league up and running. The funding, it wouldn't have got up without their funding, without their input. It's just, it's only been in the last handful of years, maybe since, it probably started after they lost the Premier League. Mm -hmm. Once they lost the Premier League, the amount of effort that that organization put into the sport in general was pretty pathetic. And it just slowly got chipped away. They can blame COVID, but that's a load of crap because, like, like I said last week or the week before, they're still, you know, it's a cover. They're still broadcasting like, football. There's they're seven broadcasting cricket. There's countless, yeah, bloody AFL talk shows, you know, that are all doing similar things. Um, there's nothing for football, so yeah, pretty poor. It was pretty poor towards but, the end. Yeah, we do have to thank them for what they did early on. Is it's probably outgrown them and it's time to for something fresh. We probably need a, a, maybe not outgrown them, but we need another kickstart, I think. For sure. For sure. They're on a downward slide and you can't attach yourself to something like that if you're not an established product. Yep. Like, I think for the NRL, it's a bad idea to be totally on Fox like they are. Terrible. AFL can get away with it because it's making them bulk cash. People are still going to tune in and watch the AFL and they're 100%. still going to go and watch yeah. the games in the stadium. They're still like, going to get 80K to the MCG. Yeah, so it doesn't yep. matter where the games are necessarily because you're still going to get the fan engagement. Yeah. But for football, we really needed to pivot out of there. And this week has felt in such a long time, like the A-League 
is actually trying to solidify its place in the national sporting sphere. So yeah. All, all the best to everything that is about to come in the next six months. Fingers crossed it all goes well. Well, given that Sydney is locked down, Queensland border restrictions, mm. and Melbourne looks like it's going to be locked down again, uh, the start of the A-League season is going to be jeopardised, I imagine. But we'll, we'll, we'll just have to deal with it. Yep. We'll have to deal with it. Take it in our stride. Um, you've got other notes? You've got other news? I just wanted to uh, give a fond farewell to our favourite striker, Tommy Urich. Do you want to get onto that? I've, you missed a real big piece of other A-League news, though. Oh, what was the other one? That all the teams are rejoicing because uh, Lee Broxham has signed for another year. <laughs> I was going to send this to you when I saw it. And I was going to say, it doesn't matter. Rigged or shit. <laughs> I would rather Adelaide sign nobody than have this as a good piece of news. Yeah. Let's not sign anyone, that's fine. Like Rather that than re-signing Lee Broxham. Robbie Cruz, best and fairest levels of... Oh, dude, it's yeah. the pity party and they keep throwing out lines. So Lee Broxham <sighs> signed for another year with Melbourne Victory. Only the scum <sighs> think he's fun. <laughs> How long have you worked on that I, It just came to mind. Only the scum... You're calling Melbourne Victory fans scum. Yeah. That's heavy. That's a heavy thing. Yeah, but is it? Is it... Out of line? I don't think nah, so. obviously, you know, we love a good bit of banter, you know. They're so. mostly dirtbags. <laughs> making very broad, generalising statements about... There's not that many of them anymore, so you really can Yeah, no, nah, just... there isn't many. But the ones they do have, obviously, um, they, have a, they have a soft spot for their boy, Lee. Yeah, they do. He's their utility man. Yeah, they do. But he's shit. <laughs> I'm sorry, he's not good. I don't know. rate him. I haven't rated nah. him for years. I haven't seen a good performance from him since. Yep. He should have retired at the grand final where they won 3 0 and he scored. Yeah. Like, that's. C- well, cap it off, man. I mean, yeah, like we can, <laughs> we can uh, pick on him all we like and we will. Yep, thank you. That's, that's our right as uh, two dickheads on the internet <laughs> with our, our own equipment to record our unwanted opinions nobody asked for. But um, he's not good. No, he's not good. He's just not good. Like I said, I'd rather us play with no centre backs than Broxham at centre back. Yeah, no fullbacks. And um, his <laughs> his resume actually, you know, on paper, he's got. Oh, the, looks great. His resume looks fucking excellent. It's way better than mine. Yeah, way better than mine. Looks phenomenal, but it does't translate into. Do you reckon Lee Broxham stacked shelves at supermarkets or? <laughs> it's a professional footballer, and we're just going to sit here and shit on him. I think, given the way that he speaks and his mug, he will be packing his shelves mug. in the next couple of years once he's finished this. Nah. nah, he'll be one of those life victory. He'll be associated somehow. Yeah, and I can get that. I get that. I think what, okay, because he's shit, we're laughing at him, but what victory are trying to do here is consolidate their legends and keep them within the club, which is a great idea. And that's something we criticise Adelaide That's what for. I mean. Yeah, yeah, that's what I get. I get that. It's a big, yeah, it's a big club motivator. Um, good for the dressing room. That's something that Melbourne Victory have kind of always done. And always that's, been good at that's that. something that Adelaide have just kind of starting, started to learn over the last year or two. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like and what that, I was talking about last week. We, we said that last week. We hope it continues on the back of Bruce heading out. Which, I mean, that's probably what is um, inhibiting our new signings as well because we don't have a director of football right now or we've just signed a new one. So don't, don't panic yet is what I'm going to say. It, yeah. like, and because we'll MacArthur see. are making big money moves, which ties into them signing Dog Urich. 
Yeah, was well, that where we're going? We can go into that now. <sighs> you want to start on the Urich? Is I that what we've got? Is that the last? Is this the last kind of? This could be the last of it. Yeah, is the last talking point. Yeah. Well, you got nothing else. No, nah, I've got nothing else. Um, we can just go into Tommy Urich. Um, I just wanted to save the Urich bit for last. That's all. Yeah, I think uh, we're here. We're here. Um, <laughs> thank you and fuck off. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. Look, we did say when we signed him. Everyone, I think, everyone mm-hmm. in there, like with a sane mind, mm-hmm. knew, hmm, this is a good signing, but I'm skeptical this is what he wants. I was okay with it because I thought, this guy is just, he's getting a move back to Adelaide because we're the club that went for him. And it was a chance for him to come back to the A League. Once in the A League, he's free to move to another club at the end of his contract, which he has done and which we expected him to do. I think we were okay with it because as a striker, you kind of want to score goals anyway. And I think we believed he would then put in and, almost you know, Almost put his best foot forward to sign for another club. Yeah, so he'd get the chance to move to like a West Sydney or a MacArthur or a somewhere. City, and maybe and even. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so that's what we thought would happen. Uh, we didn't quite get the output or the effort that I thought he was going to put in. He had, sure, he had some big moments, had some good games. Uh, ultimately, overall, underwhelming, I think is the best way to sum it up. If I'm rating him as my third best striker this season, and ahead of him is Motore, who was injured for a vast period of it, yep. and uh, Cassini Yengi, who is, what, 21, 22? Didn't play till about a third of the way in. I think that speaks volumes. Speaks uh, volumes. The yeah. one, the two good games he had, he scored a hat trick of penalties, and the other one was just that really clutch. Those two clutch goals against Brisbane in yep. the finals, which really not, it demonstrates the big game player he is. But. He's a big game player, and I think if I'm being honest, I'm not. I'm not upset that he's going. Cause I kind of expected it, but I kind of. I'm just disappointed. I would have been happy. I would have been okay with him staying another year. I would have. I would have been happy with that because he is. He is an experienced head, mm-hmm. and I think uh, performance on the pitcher side, his overall kind of leadership or that experience plays a big part in a young squad like ours, especially when you combine the likes of him with, you know, Jakobsen, Halloran, Craig Goodwin. Yeah. That's, that's some really good... Um, Soccer is experience everywhere. In different parts of the pitch. Mm-hmm. Juan de Lopez, mm-hmm. lots of experience to work with these younger guys in all... All aspects of the park, um, but whatever. I'm not too upset, but what, I would have been happy if he stayed. What really upsets me is that it's the end of another season, and we are longing for a number nine again. And this, it's a yeah, reoccurring it feels like theme a for us. We yeah. just cannot sign. You look at the great teams in the A League. Brisbane had their Barisha. Uh, Melbourne yep. Victory had their Archie. Sydney have had a combination. Okay, I understand, but you know Lafondre and Bobo. Yeah, predominantly, we've not had that, and that's our so, biggest detriment, I think. What do you think this does to our uh, our transfer strategy? Because I know we talked about how they were looking at getting a foreign number ten mm. spot filled. Would you still rather be heading for that? Yeah, than I a would. Nine? I would because I would. Yeah. I would just play. I agree. I would just play the two Torres and Yankee up front next season. I'm happy for those guys to just be. 
the ones we turn to. Yeah, I think just play the boys. Arturo is probably the sort of player that's screaming for a breakout. Just let him play up top, happy man. To, he's he would probably relish the role. Let him play up front. I don't know. Like when we saw him break into this team a while back, and he had that massive performance in the cup final. He was the absolute beast that was playing as a number nine, bullying, you know, giant defenders from Melbourne City. Yeah. Can't remember the guy's name, but um, he was a wanker. That's probably. And why. here he is now playing like he comes on and plays on the wing and stuff, and he hasn't looked. And he gets bullied out of it by fullbacks. Yeah, I guess he's had he had the injury and the he's coming back. Yeah. Tough injury to take for a young player. He was out for such a long time. Plays a big part mentally, but I think he's, I think he's the sort of player we could if you blow him up with a bit of confidence and say, you're our man this year, or you're one of, you know... One you, of the three. You yeah. guys, you are the you guys are the we're turning... You yeah. are the three. I think all three of them would absolutely relish that. Yeah, I think so it. too. They'll play for each other, with each other. They've all got different special characteristics that they can bring to the team. I think. Yep. I actually think Mo is more of a physical player than Al. I think Al is a little bit more yeah. technically gifted and a little bit more tricky on the ball. Yeah. Al is the barnstorming strong man that just yep. beats players up and to get past them. What's Yangi then? Yangi is the both. combination of both. <laughs> yeah, both, because he's, he? he's also got the height yep. and the athleticism that draws him apart from those yep. two. He's better in the air. I think we see him better in tight spaces in the box. So yep. I think the three of them yeah, is really exciting. Definitely having those three there and then just trusting them, giving them, I think instilling them with confidence by just trusting them to do the job. Not signing another striker. Not yeah. signing another striker, I think would go a long way, especially if we can manage to get that number 10 spot filled behind them. Massive, yep. And then you add in like Craig and Ben on the and wings. Ben already like that's, that's a remarkable looking attack all of a sudden if we get that number 10 in. Yeah. And if, if we keep them fit as well, because all yeah. three of them suffered injury last season. So yeah. that's a big thing so, too. Yeah, it's not all doom and gloom though. Not, I don't think it is. Without I'm not too any, Without any signings yet, and the thing we wanted to talk about MacArthur was their all the signings that they have made. They've signed Craig Noon from City, yep. championship-winning City. Okay, cool. He started pretty much every game for them. Yep. Massive signing. Danny De Silva from the Mariners. Yep. Uh, Ulysses De Villa, which we alluded to last week, yep. has gone to MacArthur, and now Tommy Urich as well. Yeah, they're putting together a squad. They are assembling a bit. Sorry. It's a beast team. I saw a joke someone said yesterday online. I can't remember where. Might have been on the A League memes page. But uh, if they <laughs> sign any more players, they'll have more players than fans at this rate. They've, <laughs> they've probably got a bigger squad than fan base right now. There are more people in the change rooms than on the terraces. That's yeah. for sure. It's an NFL squad. Oh, they're going to be out there on the touchline. They've got a special <laughs> team. They've got a special team. They've got a punter. Comes on, comes on to take pens. It's just Milligan yelling at them. Yeah. <laughs> fucking show. <laughs> yeah, fucking show. <laughs> if he doesn't start showing, I'm going to kick him. I'm going to kick him. He said some other bad words, but I'm not going to repeat them. No, we've said enough bad words yeah. over this point. Um, uh, you just reminded me then going on about MacArthur, but um, we're Sydney as well. Dylan McGowan on his way out. Yes. I know there was, there was a bit of chat today saying that, you know, ooh, could we be in the mix? A lot of comments about Adelaide. I think a lot of Adelaide ears pricked up straight away. Of course. But it looks like straight away. A, lot of the, a lot of the hype at the moment seems to suggest he's on his way to Scotland. So probably put an end to that one. Understood. What, playing Premier League over there or? I'd imagine so. Yeah, for a mid-table club maybe. Back to Hearts or elsewhere? Has he played for Hearts? Mm, they Ryan all did at a Hearts. point. I don't know. Can't remember. Yeah, Dill was go. there too. Yeah. All right. Just sit tight with our signings. 
Yeah, I think we'll be They're fine. They're coming. They're coming. We'll wait it out. Uh, shout out Charlie Grant. Sat on the bench for the Matildas tonight. Yeah, excellent. Disappointing young, result. Young Adelaide. Former Adelaide. Yeah, former Adelaide. She'll come back. I think yep. it's just a loan thing while we're in the off-season. Yeah, this happens a lot in women's football with the overlapping seasons. It does. They disappear and play in other leagues and come back. It's like, a bit more like cricket in that sense. Yeah, it is. I yeah. don't mind the idea of it. Yeah, I, I guess it works for them given the leagues are often less games. Yeah, running um, for football. You know, it's not like a... F- it's not a Premier League season of 38 games and then cups and, mm. you know, there's less football to be played. Um, yeah, so it's not a bad idea. It's good for them while, they get, while that side of the game's growing. Exactly. Just on the Matildas, I wanted to bring it up because we are going to do the Matildas look ahead for the Olympics. Uh, we've been alluding to it for a few weeks. It's definitely yep. going to happen. Definitely. And, I mean, maybe the Oli Roos too, even though we can't win a single game. Yeah, well, they got Mitch Duke up front, so... I don't know why they can't win. Did you see who New Zealand had up front? Uh, was it Chris Wood? It was Chris Wood. Yeah. Which immediately, <laughs> immediately for me, calls into question Graham Arnold's fucking shit cunt comment. Wow. I rang 49. I swear, Jar. I think it's deserved in this case. I rang 49 of 52 international European managers about the Socceroos. Well, how did the he? hell did Chris Wood come back New and Zealand. play for New Zealand? New Zealand got Chris Wood to play in a friendly against the Oli Roos. He's playing for them in the Olympics. He's playing for them in the Olympics. And we couldn't get anyone. And we couldn't get anyone, apparently. No, nah, that just reeks for it's me. Just it's definitely bullshit, in the man. rigged or shit pile. It's, it's, and it's definitely in the rigged. It's rigged, man. Having someone like Mitch Duke, after the season he had too, disgusting. I know we shared it on the page the other day, and yeah, <laughs> bloody disgusted, I tell you. <laughs> Absolute rigged or shit. All right, is that all we got? Yeah, we should wrap that. I think we're done, yeah. It's been good. It's been um, a good season, Sam. Yeah, well, plenty more to come because all the football's still hitting us. The Olympics pretty soon. Olympics will be fun. I know we we said Tommy Urich was going to be the last topic tonight, but we kept going. We kept going. That's fine. We can't help ourselves. We make it up as we go. Like we said, unwanted opinions. We really do make it up as we go. We literally make it up as we go. If you've got any rigged or shit nominations, get them in. Love it. Please get them in. My favourite. If you see something you want to share with us or you want to put on the page, feel free. Go, send it through. The more The more interaction we get with everyone, the better it is. The more fun it is, the more we like doing it. Yep. We're good? Oh, we're great. We're good. Thanks, Sammy. Ciao.